on the Fan Morning Show. It's Baby Friday. We're listening to some music that, if you close your eyes, could be in Dunedin in the warm climate. Is it warm there yet? Yeah, it's probably warm, right? It's warm enough. There was birds chirping. The sun rises on the horizon. And John Morosi picks up the phone to call us on the Fan Morning Show. MLB Network Insider, live from Dunedin. John, pleasure to have you this morning. Good morning. Uh, two minutes past the hour. The temperature here in beautiful Pinellas County is 63 degrees Fahrenheit. So very, uh, very fortunate to be here. Um, I'm quickly Googling 63. 17 Celsius. <laughs> yes. 17 Celsius. Thank you very much. Hey, 17 is, oh, that's real nice. We'll take that here. It's uh, It's been up and down. Actually, two days ago, it was 13 degrees. So I don't really know if we're trying to replicate Dunedin and get in the mood of what the Toronto Blue Jays are doing down south. But nonetheless, excited to talk to you from Dunedin. What's the pulse of spring training right now down south? Well, I will uh, be entering the Jays' uh, new, I still call it the new clubhouse because I haven't had a chance to be at their new player development center yet. This is my first day uh, on the scene, so I'll be, I'll be stepping into that room uh, here later on today. Very excited about that. This has actually been chosen as the site of the Grapefruit League Media Day. Woohoo! So all They're affirming that the, uh, the Jays' Player Development Center here in Dunedin is now the jewel of the Grapefruit League and, and the, the envy of other teams in baseball, which, which I always love to talk about. So, so basically, uh, all the GMs and managers of the Florida-based teams for spring training will be converging on Dunedin today. So, so it becomes a little showpiece for the, for the Jays. Obviously, last spring, we still weren't totally fully back to normal yet. And I think now it's just it's really great that everybody can can really enjoy and appreciate the work. Of course, they modernized the ballpark in, in spring training, and then the player development. All right, we're going to reconnect with John Morosi because it sounds like he's going in and out of civilization. <laughs> he's under a wave, and then he emerges and underneath a wave. But nonetheless, he is live from Dunedin. What I was getting from that is that it seems like the Blue Jays are hosting. The big media day session today. Look at the Blue Jays, eh? <laughs> Not a big deal. We got I was a new say, like, Roger we're, Center We're upgrades. early on here, and Morosi's already hanging out in Dunedin. Like, yeah. are, are the Blue Jays the talk of the MLB world? They Is might that why be. he's there? Well, you I know mean, the... I guess they are some, in some ways mm-hmm. with the entire league converging on Dunedin, but uh, maybe this is more about... Uh, league-wide networking rather than just specifically the Blue Jays. Well, our, our, At least for today. Our guy, John Morosi, has always got the pulse on the Jays, yeah, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like partially Torontonian, I think. He's got some roots. Let's see if we can bring him in. John, sorry about that. You're a little hey, bit uh, underwater. I'm, I'm back. That I'm sounds back. good. I, I changed, I changed, there you go. I, I changed my uh, my device. I, I discarded the AirPods and went right back to the old the old audio connector. So feeling, feeling good now. <laughs> uh, so we were just talking about, okay, all the general managers descending on Dunedin. So maybe it's not all Blue Jays all the time right now, but when you do think about the Blue Jays and the 2023 season, and I guess questions or interesting uh, things to consider, I guess, when looking at this team and how they line up here to start spring training, what what question needs to be answered? What is the biggest thing kind of hanging over the Blue Jays right now when you consider the prospects of success in 2023? Jose Rios, for me, it's all about him. And I, I look at this this pitching staff, and if you assume mostly that Manoa and Gossman will be roughly what they were a year ago, and Chris Bassett, his calling card is his consistency. He's not someone that's going to 
dominate and, and win a Cy Young necessarily, but is a, is a really consistent, well above average major league pitcher. And that means Barrios is sort of in the middle there. He is, he is the guy that can take this from being a, an adequate rotation and, and even a good one to potentially a great one. He's the difference. And I think if, if he is even 80 or 90% of the player that they had signed to that extension, this team will have more than enough rotation. I think the, the bullpen is, is very solid. Obviously, you've got a lot of name brand guys back there that we've seen in the past that they added Swanson. So I, I think that right now, uh, I'm not going to you know, necessarily say that, that, he, uh, that he deserves all the pressure, but I think it's, it's his because uh, I look at the rest of the club, a healthy Springer, the, the lineup with better balance. We, we talked a lot last year about how, how they needed more left-handed bats. They went out and got them. So for me, if, if Berrios is an all-star, this team has a very good chance to win the division. Well, when you get eyes on Burrios, you send us those clips. Um, all right, let's go to George Springer. I will. <laughs> let's go to George Springer because he had a great quote that I think we can all relate to. Feels good to feel good um, after the injury and some rehabilitation on that. Uh, what is a good, ideal George Springer role this season? I know they've had some additions to the outfield, and he might be shifting to uh, right field. What do you want to have for George Springer to have a good, productive season? For me, he, I think it's very comforting for George to know what his role is going to be. There, there's been this, this back and forth the last several years. Where would his long-term home be? Was he still going to be a center fielder versus a right fielder? Uh, and now that he's playing right, I, I think it's, it's a really natural spot for him. He'll be alongside uh, Kevin Kiermeyer and Dalton Varsho uh, with Varsho in left, Kiermeyer in center, Kiermeyer one of the top center fielders in the game for the last 10 years. I just think it's a really good situation to George to succeed there. And I look at him too, and this is an underrated part of his game, I think a bit. Um, he can steal some bases. And especially now with the new rules coming into play and the bigger bases and the restrictions on number of times that pitchers can throw over, even in an injury-shortened season when he physically wasn't feeling his best, George stole 14 bases last year, which was the second most of his career. And, and that, I think shows a couple things. Number one, he still has plenty of athleticism uh, now in his age 33 season, and he's just such a smart baseball player that he knows when to go. And I think if, if, he, if he's feeling even better physically now, plus the new rules, plus just this freedom, I think when you're a right fielder, um, maybe it's not quite as taxing on your body as playing center. So I look for him to be overall a fresher version of George Springer, and that could mean even more stolen bases in, in, in front of what I think is going to be a very, very active and balanced Blue Jays lineup. Probably a stretch to say that Dalton Varsho was like the domino uh, or the first domino en route to spending hundreds of millions of dollars changing the way a ballpark looks. But I, I do find it interesting that there's a bit of a trend in Major League Baseball where you're kind of curating a ballpark maybe to fit the team uh, or the needs or the uh, structure of a team. What do you what do you make of all that, and specifically what the Blue Jays have done with their ballpark or planning to do with their ballpark as it pertains to their lineup? Oh, I, I love it. And uh, first of all, I love that that you're going to have unique dimensions. And uh, certainly, John Schneider spoke about that with uh, with reporters here in Dunedin yesterday about just the the uniqueness of having a non symmetrical outfield, as, as Shad Davidi's talked about as well. I think that's I think it's great. It, it gives it gives the ballpark more character, uh, and to your point, it, it opens up different possibilities to build your club around what the dimensions are. And 
I think Varsho is is one of the more intriguing players on this roster. I'll be really curious to see if potentially, just because of that left-handed power element, if maybe they consider at certain times moving him up in the lineup as opposed to, I think you could certainly argue that you should start with four right-handed bats, go Springer, Bichette, Vlad, and Alejandro Kirk. But I kind of like the idea of putting Varsho up a little bit higher. I'm a big believer in him, Justin. I I think he's an excellent player. He's uh, he's tough, hard-nosed, athletic, the rare guy that can catch and play center field. He's from uh, the great town of Chile, Wisconsin, which has a population of under 300 people. So um, his, his hometown makes most Canadian uh, small towns look like metropolises. That's, that's how small <laughs> Chile is. And so uh, I, I love that about Dalton, hardworking family. His dad's a wonderful person. I had a chance to talk to him over the years just in his role as a scout. So it's just a, they're a, a hardworking, all-sports baseball family from Wisconsin, and I think he's just going to fit right in with the, with the character of this team. He, he loves – Dalton just loves the game, loves to play. And I think that's true of Kiermaier. It's true of Springer as well. So I think you're going to have three outfielders that just love to go get the ball, love to play. Uh, and I think they're all going to bring a, a really unique element to this team this season. A different outfield architecturally and roster-wise for the Toronto Blue Jays this season. And John Schneider is coming in his first full year as a manager starting from spring training onwards. What's the biggest challenge that he's facing this season? You know, it's a great question because I, I think that this team, when you consider how last season ended, um, there was, of course, a bit of second-guessing about the bullpen usage in, in, in the second game of the series. I, I didn't really have an issue with it, to be honest with you. I think overall uh, he was doing the best that he could with what he had in front of him at the moment, and there were so many plays in that game that went awry. But I think it's, it's now, for me, a, a matter of doing the most that you can with this core, knowing that this is not going to last forever. This is now – I think this is a year – where when you think about the construction of the roster and where Vlad and Bo are, and certainly it was great that Bo got the the three-year deal, but he's still not signed beyond what his free agent year was going to be originally, um, the the clock is ticking on this team. They they need to win and win big very soon for them to really hit the this sweet spot of, of winning with Vlad and Bo as your homegrown superstar cornerstones. Uh, the number of chances that you've got to do this are, are not terribly numerous any longer. And, and I would say that, that when you look around, the Jays, I still would put, I'd still put Toronto maybe a bit behind where Houston is in terms of the expectations to win a league title. But when you look at the Yankees and their imperfections, they just lost Montas for a, a period of time uh, to start the season. And Nestor Cortez Jr. has some, some question marks there. Uh, Jays fans and the Jays personnel – should not just say, you know, hey, our goal is to win the division this year. Like that, that, like that should happen. The Blue Jays should should win the American League East this season. You look around; the Red Sox are down. Um, the Yankees have some pitching questions right now. Even some infield questions about who's going to start where exactly. There is every reason to believe that the Jays are the team to beat in this division this season. And so, I think for John Schneider, it's it's coming into a year with that expectation. The bonus is that he's known. Vlad and Bo since they were in the minor leagues. I think that's a really nice benefit. And I think I also think, let's not forget who they added to the coaching staff this offseason. Having Don Mattingly there is great. I mean, you've got someone that's managed in L.A., who's been a Yankee icon, who managed in Miami. He's got a lot of different experiences. Certainly someone that John has respected since he was a kid. 
And I, I think it's a, it's a really good um, influence and ear for John Schneider to have entering a year in which, let's be honest, he's supposed to finish ahead of the Yankees. He's supposed to finish ahead of the Red Sox. And that kind of pressure is uh, maybe that definitively, as I'm stating it, maybe is a, is a bit new for, for, uh, for a first-year full-time manager in, in John Schneider. So you're down there at Dunedin with spring training, and they're starting to roll out the new rules um, for this year's MLB season, the bigger pit, uh, bases, the pitch clock, banning the shift, et cetera. Um, what are you most excited for and maybe what you're most hesitant for? I'm all in, Alish, on, on the changes. And what Love I'll it. say is, uh, I, 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 yeah, I think it's going to make for a much better, uh, a better viewing experience for all of us. Um, I, I think I'm sure that initially, because it's, it's very clear, the shift issue is, is fairly straightforward. Look, when the pitch is delivered, you, can't, you cannot have three infielders on one side of the, of the diamond and, and everybody has to have their feet in the dirt. That, there you go. Like, that's a fairly straightforward term. What, I, what I'm a little bit more curious to see is how the pitchers themselves adapt, especially those Pitchers like Kenley Jansen, for example, with the Red Sox, or a Diego Castillo with, with the Mariners, who are deliberate relievers. And listen, we've all had months to prepare for this. Uh, everybody, the Broncos, we've had time to prepare for this. Okay, everybody, we all know what we're doing here. Okay, this is a different, a different sport, a different rhythm to it. Um, so it's up to the pitchers to find a way to, to adapt. And, and these guys are professionals, they're the best in the world. Um, I know it's a bit of a change in routine, but we're human beings and we can adapt. And I think for me, it's going to be what does it look like the first time we're in spring training and there's a, there's a shot clock violation, to use the, <laughs> to use the basketball term. Well, like, what is that? Do we, hear, do we hear a horn? I would assume no. But I, I, I think it's going to be interesting just to see the enforcement and how players react. That's, that's the part that I think is probably going to take the most getting used to. The, the fielders and the shift part, like, that's – that's clear to me, uh, but it's for me the, the how the, how the pitchers respond and, and when the clock starts and how and also to be honest, the batters get ready. It's on them too. It's on everybody. And, and I, I want to make this point clearly about where this whole effort is going. I, th- there might be some complaining in different in different corners of the sport. Okay, we all have different opinions on things, but I, I, the, the commissioner and MLB seem to be speaking with a fairly authoritative voice on this because it has been proven that this is what the fans want. There, there, is, there is plenty of data that suggests that, that fans would like the games to last under three hours, that three-and-a-half-hour games on a Tuesday night when you've got two kids that go to school the next day in the morning is not what people want. We want games to end at a, at a more reasonable time, and this, and this is MLB saying our customers say they want X, we are giving them X, period. And, and so I think that while there may be some issues here and there, the, the commissioner is speaking with, with a pretty good amount of, of authority and, and high ground on this because he's right. It's what the, it's what the fans want. And, and honestly, I think the players, as time goes on, trust me, they have families too. They have lives outside of the game too. They're going to like getting potentially a half hour, 45 minutes of their lives back at the end of the night. But that's a good thing for them. So I think it will take some adjusting. But if, if the average time of game is in that 230 to 240 range, that's going to be a huge improvement for the sport today and the sport in the future as well. 
the broadcasters that are on the air at 6 a.m. also appreciate the shorter. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we exactly. could be on board with Time that one. <laughs> I, amen. I love it. Um, John, before we say goodbye, I just want to say we're thinking of your Michigan community and everything that's happened there yes. um, down south of the border for us and, and hope you're staying well. And uh, we're thinking of everyone that's been affected from the horrible um, shootings yeah, last I, week. I, I appreciate the thoughts, Ailish and Justin. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, My, my dad's a, a proud Spartan grad and my, my dear aunt is as well. And we've got a lot of, lot of connections over there. So it's been a, it's been a tough week. I, I appreciate the, the thoughts there. And uh, we just have to keep on working to find a find a better future with a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts and a lot of action now i think is what has to happen here so but but i, I appreciate all your help there thank you so of much i couldn't uh, couldn't agree more stay well john enjoy dunedin we'll chat with you soon thanks so much all the best thank you john morosi mlb and network insider live from dunedin at the blue jays facilities heading into today for the first time big day so where are you at on these new rule changes um, I couldn't agree more with the pitch clock needing to speed up some of these games. I, I, I yes, yes, yes. It's yes. going to be very interesting to see how some pitchers. I just, it's going to be. I feel like there are going to be issues. There are going to be like, like what, what the Matt Murray in the goalpost. Like oh, that. Boy. That was a thing that took on a life of its own. There are going to be some pitchers that are problems. There are going to be issues like Kikuchi. all the time. There, it's like it's going to come up over and over and over again because it's going to be such a change. I think for some. I think John brought up a really intelligent point, which is it's on the batters as well because Mm -hmm. some of them are quite deliberate as well. So I feel like the pitch clock, there's going to be some growing pains, but the shift, the shift, I love. I love eliminating the shift. Of course. There is nothing more frustrating than a ball you think is hit in the right spot and, and the camera pans <laughs> and some guy is just hanging out in the shallow right <laughs> right field, collecting the ball, reeling it in, inning over, nothing to see, even though that batter put the ball in play the way they wanted to. Uh, I feel like that's one of the more annoying things about baseball. And if they can't eliminate that, I'm all for it. Bigger bases doesn't really do much for me other than, okay, we're going to get more stolen bases. Apparently, the bigger thing is just cutting down on injury because the, mm. you know, the, the close plays at first That's base true. or whatever, there's more distance three between. Inches. Three inches. It's, it makes a difference. Uh, it makes a difference in baseball for sure. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we can cut down on injuries um, because, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, runners slamming their foot down near ankles that are dug into the ground. Yeah, it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. And if you can eliminate a few of those injuries, that's a good thing. So he was mentioning how the AL East could be, should be what the Blue Jays win, regardless of what their other aspirations are. I did think it was uh, quite funny that Frankie Montas shows up to day one of Yankee spring training and needs shoulder surgery. I missed that. Yeah, this was late last night, I believe. That's good news for the Blue Jays. Uh, or yesterday afternoon. Um, yep, right-hander Frankie Montas, the biggest acquisition for the Yankees at the trade deadline last year, was expected to be a big part of the rotation while undergoes sh- shoulder surgery on Tuesday. That could make him miss the entire season. What was Frankie Manager doing all winter? Aaron Boone says. Did Frankie get paid? I think. Because he was, uh, was he mid-season, did he have to sign a contract? Frankie's got some, some cash, I'll tell you that. Oh, Frankie definitely has some cash. But uh, what were you doing earlier? <laughs> I guess if it takes the whole year, maybe he was trying to rehab it. Like if it's that serious, you try to get to the point where you can fix it without intervention. But I guess ultimately that's what they needed. It is funny first day though. Like couldn't you have made that decision a week ago and avoided like, hey guys, Speaking I can't, I can't like shake your hand because my shoulder might pop out. But speaking I'm of here. first day, 
Jacob deGrom, first day of spring training, misses it due to soreness. <laughs> That's worse. This is bad. Because he just Mets got paid. fans are trolling because they're like, oh, wow, welcome. Welcome to our world. Uh-huh. He didn't just get paid. He got paid, paid. Yep. Five-year, $185 million contract. But I'm a little sore. Day one. That's tough. I have soreness. That's tough. I think there's such a buzz. Like, you just see the social media team for the Blue Jays pumping out the content, and the guys are smiling ear to ear. Vladdy's painted grin on his face. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. It's nice to see. Because I don't know if there were concerns. Like, what is this team dynamic going to be like when you take away two of the Mm -hmm. quote-unquote fun guys? Not that I expected things to be like sour to start spring training, but it's good that but there's, every, there it, should be a bitter taste in your mouth. But feels good that everyone's in a it seems to be in a nice spot right now. The and way there's the excitement season, and enthusiasm for this season, and there should be. Yeah, the way the season ended last year can only either push you to be way more motivated this off season, which I think we're going to see soon when everyone's reporting and we're seeing Vladdy bombs to the moon, hitting balloons mm-hmm. from the sky. What's going on with the sky? I don't, eh? I don't even know. I've seen all these reports, but I, I don't even want to like wade into those discussions because there's I'm, like straight I'm up scared. UFO Central. We just get Vladdy to be crushing. We don't need balls this. Into we, the sky. We, we, we don't. We've gone through enough recently, haven't we? We don't need this. We don't need UFOs right now. But anyway, he could hit a couple balloons. So we'll see. Vladdy could help things out. We'll see help Vladdy. out the task force on <laughs> aliens. Yeah. Eric from Burlington says, "Let the turn the pitch clock off for the playoffs. Let the boys play." Wouldn't that be interesting, I, a second I, set I of rules? Say, I don't mind that because part of the That'd beauty be a tough of adjustment, though. You play yes. 182 games of pitch clock, and then you're like, free-for-all. But it's like, here's an extra base for because you violated the pitch clock in game seven of the world. Like, and that's, and par- but, but you know what? what? You got to like, dial in, Justin. You got to get used to it, and you have 162 games to get used to it. But part of postseason baseball, which is part like a, a big part of the theater, is... Multiple camera angles, zooming on the pitcher, mm. zooming on the batter, manager, fans, back <laughs> to the so pitcher. Suspenseful. Like it's it is part of the the beauty of it. Part of the intrigue, the entertainment is ratcheted up a notch when you have a little time between big pitches, time between meaningless pitches, though, that we can cut down on. But again, you can't have more or you can't have different rules at least from game inside the game. But I'm okay with eliminating in the playoffs. That's not gonna happen, but I'd be okay with it. Uh here's another great text in something I hadn't considered. But if the games are shorter, it's less time for loony dogs. It's true. So take, every, take the under on the totals. So every Tuesday, though, no pitch clocks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's the one it, concession uh, we can make. Yeah, we, how about we agree on that? Tuesdays, no pitch clock. It gets you prepped for postseason baseball with no pitch clocks. So you just get like once in a while, you have to dial it back to your olden days. And it allows for the fans to get more loony dogs. I will say, though, is time really the issue? It is, it is part of the issue, Justin. I, I feel like stomach capacity is the bigger issue. But like, you have, you have ample time. I mean, you could get there when gates open and start crushing the dogs. It doesn't have to happen in the first inning. It's about pace. And this year, I'm going to be training because are you? we're breaking records. You're going back records. to the well here? We are breaking records. One thing I haven't You're seen. You're not calling it, like, one successful season and, no, no. and moving on to something else? I'm not a quitter. I'm not throwing in the towel. Okay. <laughs> this is my off-season goal. I've been... I've been training. You have been training. You should see me at the Super Bowl party. 
was consuming. Oh, you're training that way. I thought it was like a balance thing. It's no, no, more I'm, of a I'm training thing. to be able to consume more Looney Dogs than chestnut, ever before. Chestnut level training. I, I do have a bone to pick with the reporters that cover the Toronto Blue Jays and for the um, architectural designers. No, okay. no insight has been provided to where the stations will be placed for said Looney Dog. Oh, you're trying to buy tickets? You want to know where Well, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure that they put that thought process in when they redesigned a billion-dollar stadium that there needs to be clear pathways to and from the seats to the Looney Dog stations every Tuesday. I'm just saying. I, I, I don't think it went over their heads, but if it did, I'm going to raise... The alarm Some here. Some serious oversight not involving you on this matter, I think. My dad is an architect. Oh. And maybe it runs in the family a bit where I can just allow for one skill, which is direct pathways. <laughs> yeah. I could use a protractor. Yeah. And I could help map out the proper radius it's that you like, need for lines as well. Line management's huge. It's like fire routes, but hot dog routes. You, this is a serious matter. Yeah. So the next up, death, the really. next update for the Blue Jays Rogers Center upgrades need to include said stations for Looney Dogs and opening day is a Tuesday. Let me just tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a break because it's the Wake and Rake on the other side. Set in your picks at five ninety five ninety. There are no Toronto sports tonight. We're going to tee up the Genesis Invitational. Also, biggest news in Toronto sports acquisition. A Dartmouth Big Green has joined the Toronto Argos. And not just any Dartmouth Big Green. A friend of yours? That's right. I'll give you all the info on the other side of the break. And Justin's wearing his Dartmouth sweater today, so the vibes are just extremely high on Baby Friday. My guy, too. All right, that's next. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. All right, it's Baby Friday. The world-renowned Wake and Rake is back-to-back hits for you. Not a big deal. What are we, eight for nine this week, Justin? We're eight for nine with two Wake and Rakes in the bag already. Suddenly, white hot. (laughs) We can't jinx it now. It's Baby Friday. We have to bring the vibes. This is our day of the week. It's our favorite day of the week, really. It really is. We've decided. There's something special about a Baby Friday. Something about the Baby Friday. It's good. It could be better than the actual Friday. I think it might be. Um, All right, so we have all that to tee up. But before break, I told you about the biggest acquisition in Toronto sports history, possibly. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine, a former classmate of mine, a Dartmouth football legend. Not many of those. (laughs) (laughs) My buddy Flo. Yeah. Has signed with the Toronto Argonauts. Okay. Falaran. Or Malade is his real name, but we go by Flo. Okay. He just signed on Valentine's Day to be the highest paid defensive end of the CFL. He's making bank $240,000. He's rich now. Um, he is a Grey Cup winner with 
the Calgary Stampeders, where he played the last couple of years. He um, went to L.A. Rams camp as a free agent at one point. Now he's a Toronto Argonaut. He is an absolute unit. This guy is going to run through opposing teams, and now he's in our city, and he is going to be a friend of the show. we got to get him on, Daniele. Because Flo is making headlines so here. So you just know of Flo? Or no, I like, know Flo. Were you buds? Flo and I are buds. Okay. He was a big green, same class as me, class of 2016. We're in the same dorm. Oh, right. We had buddies. We had class together. I remember Let's get Flo on the show. We were in English class together. I remember that. I think we took rocks for jocks as well mm-hmm. together, which makes sense. didn't attend much. But we were typically, you know, we crossed paths here and there in that class when we did attend. But no, I know Flo. You're part of the same like fraternity, right? Like you understand each other because you're. He was in a fraternity. Student athletes at Dartmouth. It's like, GDX. yeah, this is this is an important, you know, intel like. It's a, athlete. This is a big deal for this me. This is an academic, is what I'm trying to say. He Institution, was? but but we're athletes. Ivy League Defensive Player of the Year as a rookie, finalist wow. for the Buck Buchanan Award for the best defensive player in the NCAA Division One football. Ever heard of it? No joke. He recorded 83 tackles, including 14 and a half tackles for loss, nine sacks, five forced fumbles, and three pass breakups as a senior. He's a big deal, guys. So, what are the uh, proud to have him in our community? Do we have any odds for the Grey Cup? Honestly, let's get that because Flo could be a sleeper, not even a sleeper pick. Let's get him for like <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year. Where where do we get Grey Cup odds? Find that. I will say, like, anyway, it finally, go big green. It because the, the the Argos generally do well in free agency. Like they can they can throw it around a little bit. Sometimes mm-hmm. it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Recently it did. Maybe it will again. Two year contract as well. So he's he's locked in for a couple big playoff rushes. Okay, here. we're we're teeing up the CFL season at some point with your bud. We are. We're there's no doubt about flow. it. We already chatted. Okay, good. He's pumped to be here. Looking forward to it. Get him on the show. That's my buddy Flo. Still in my rhyme time here. Um, okay, so PGA, big week for golf. We're going to actually, next week, we're going to do some, uh, we should tell the listeners so then they watch, right? Sure. We're going to watch the first two episodes. If I can get a Netflix password. Oh, here we go again. Yeah. No, I will. I'll have to pay for it. Can I expense this? I'll have to pay for it. We're going to watch two episodes. A full swing this weekend. And we're going to talk about it on Tuesday. We so want to give people fair time. warning. I don't know if it'll be like, listen, it's not like full spoilers. Like, that's not really how this is going to work. Although I heard someone talking about it on my way home yesterday. I was like, ah, I don't want to hear it. Okay. Because, of course, I want to watch it for myself. But we're giving people a lot of time. All the episodes are out, right? So we'll go two at a time mm-hmm. and we'll kind of spread it out and we'll see where it takes us. There's about, there are about 45 minute long episodes. There's no Toronto sports today or Friday or Monday, which is family day. So... Sit there with your family and watch Full Swing. We will be here family day, though. And we will be working family day because you are our family. The text line. Exactly. I could not go a day, a working day, without my text line fr- family. So Our families will wait. Our real families will wait. <laughs> because we have our family to take care of here on the Fan Morning Show, 6 to 9, Monday morning. So Tuesday, we'll go through a couple episodes of Full Swing. So if you want to prep for that, watch it this weekend. But we do have the Genesis Invitational Teeing off today, 3.04 tea time is your big group. Rory, Tiger, Justin Thomas. It's pretty good. It's a big, it's a big I, trio I love, right there. I, like, like I haven't, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of the Waste Management Open. I usually love it. It kind of, it just things didn't, going on. a lot of things going on didn't really the fit The Super in. Bowl. 
the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing. But watching it in the lead-up to the Super Bowl was the most I watched of it. And, of course, Nick Taylor was a big part of that, which was great. Um, but primetime golf is nice. Primetime golf works for me. And the tournament this weekend uh, is in Los Angeles. We got a prime time here with Tiger, Rory, and JT, as you mentioned. You can get on the couch at 3 p.m. <laughs> on a baby worry. Friday. I'm on the couch. And kind of roll that through until about, what, 9 p.m.? Like, it's pretty good. No no, no sports? No Leafs? Nothing? So you no, so better it's, be watching. it's wide open for a little primetime golf, which is always nice. Of course, that ends soon because they're going to be heading over to the East Coast momentarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, at least they remain on the West Coast. And you get some primetime golf, which is, as I mentioned, pretty fun. All right. So our outright winner odds, John Rahm, plus 750. Rory right behind him, plus 850. Scotty Scheffler, of course, plus 1,000. Tiger Woods, you got to scroll really far down the list here. Um, a plus 11 thousand. Ooh. So you're saying there's a chance. 110 to one then for Tiger. In the same group, our buddy Nick Taylor, 100 to one. If you want to jump oh, on the friend of the show, we Nick have Taylor to pick bandwagon. him. Maybe we throw a couple shekels down on Nick Taylor because he was kind enough to join us on the show. But if I'm circling one guy this weekend, uh, it's the LA vibe. It's the LA guy. It's Colin Morikawa, who's had a good start to the season, two top tens. He's uh, approaching the top 10 in the FedEx Cup point standings. Uh, But Morikawa on home soil, a guy Mm -hmm. who understands how the grass has grown out there in L.A., maybe Colin Morikawa at 20 to 1 is a decent play. How about him to be leading after the first round, plus 3,300? Tell you what, I'll split the bet. I like that. A little bit of Morikawa tournament, a little first round, and I'm going to add a little Nick Taylor. So my guys this weekend, Morikawa, Nick Taylor. This summer we had um, quite a few golf sharps in the text line i don't know where they are now but it's time to pull out the cell phones yeah i mean because i I know you know your golf listeners i like the specialists right i think we're calling on specialists we've we got got we have a tennis specialist neil knows his role here he's coming last night again neil continues to make money for this show in this community we're looking for specialists we're looking for people who might know what's going on in the golf world more of a lottery i think in the golf world than anything but if you got if you got picks Send him this way. We're looking to have another Neil in Newfoundland is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe there's a CFL Neil. Well, Mike and Asanaboya is probably the biggest CFL fan there is. He texted every day about the CFL he? and he's already fired up about my buddy Flo. Good. Good. So, Mike, you got picks. Send it in. 590-590. All right. So, that's your tee off 304 to see Tiger at his tournament that he basically, what, he sponsors or... Co-sponsors. I think his uh, foundation. His foundation, runs it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, big, big weekend for golf. Um, okay, so we have a clip from Rory yesterday in media. We're going to tie it in with the NBA All Star. Okay. Advocating for the PGA to be more like the NBA. The PGA Tour needs to be built around the best players because that's what will maximize the value of the product. The way I've tried to describe it is, if you look at like the NBA's growth trajectory over the last 20 years, they've built that league around their best players and their stars, not around the 12th guy on the team. But because they've built that league up around the stars, the 12th guy on the team does way better than he used to. So that's sort of the way I've been trying to tell it. Like, does it mean that the tour is going to get more competitive? Yes. Does it mean that, you know, instead of 
the way that you even look at the new look at the playoffs, like 125 used to make the playoffs, now it's 70. You know, it's just becoming a more competitive product. And I think, honestly, that's, that's a good thing. I got to be honest here. He's kind of describing live golf, is he not? I was just about to say, like this a sounds small, familiar. Like a small group of elite golfers that are playing for all the money? Just like an enhanced men's league? That's live golf. I don't like that. I want to see, you know, Nick Taylor. I was going to say, the beauty of this sometimes battling is out with Nick John Taylor Ron. in the final pairing on Sunday at the Waste Management. Now, I will say, Nick Taylor has broken into the top 75 in the world rankings since and because of that result. But you got to leave room for that result. you got to leave room for those players. And I guess there are. And I guess that's fine if you want to make the FedEx Cup a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a tighter group of just the best golfers in the world. I, I guess that's fine, but like, what does it matter? The cream rises in golf. The best golfer of that weekend wins that tournament mm-hmm. every time. That's how golf is set up. I thought it was just very interesting. Like, I like yeah, we, we can build these superstars up more. I, I get that, and that's something the NHL is facing all the time. How do you market your superstars? Yeah, market the hell out of Rory McIlroy. Let's see it. And they're trying to do that with Netflix and so on and so forth, but... Are we are we trimming the fat? Are we eliminating, you know, the are we making fields smaller for events like this one at well, the actually, Genesis? No, this one's been increased to 136 players. So maybe he was asked, like, I don't know the beginning of this clip about like this being a, ma- a massive field this weekend. Traditionally, it's like 120. It's been increased. And maybe that's where he was going with this conversation. And, but and I, and I am seeing a t- 2,500 to one on the guy at the the very bottom of the odds list. Like put, hey, a, just put a dollar down. How much fi- would five bucks pay? <laughs> Five bucks on... Who is that guy, by the way? Five bucks on Jack... There are a couple. Give me one of them. Five bucks on Jack Wall. Sorry, just signing in here. Just signing in. That would yield you. I mean, we probably could have done the math faster. I don't know how to do that. $12,500. Just five bucks. Jack Wall to win the Genesis Invitational. Man, I'm the biggest Jack Wall fan there is. <laughs> Where's my buddy so, Jack Wall uh, so maybe, from? Maybe there's a point there that Rory's trying to make, but I just don't think it matters that much. Like, well, let Jack Wall play. Sure, Jack whatever. Wall, Texas Tech Red Raiders. Um, that's all I can find about him on the internet. He's a se- Is he still in college? He's a senior? Come on, buddy. Maybe he's got a chance. Good for him. I think it is pretty, like, golf is, I mean, it is a lottery in a lot of ways, but Nick Taylor just could have won a golf tournament, a highly competitive golf tournament, a premium golf tournament on the PGA Tour. He's 101 right now. But, like, if you look at the Super Bowl odds. There's no team that's that there's n- outrageous. It, yeah, right? there, there might be a couple 150 to ones. But, like, Nick Taylor can win this tournament this weekend. The Houston Texans don't have a chance in hell. They're plus to win the Super Bowl this year. The Texans. So 120 to 1. And Nick Taylor is 100 to 1 this weekend. I don't know. I'd rather put money on Nick Taylor, friend of the on, show, yes, I'd rather than put the money Houston on Nick Texans. Taylor. But I mean, this is a whole season of the Houston Texans. This is one weekend of Nick Taylor. And, and anything can happen on these weekends, I guess, unless you're in Rory's world where he doesn't want anything to happen. He wants only John Rahm and him and JT and the select few to win every tournament. Eh, golf's fine how it is. We got a pick in the text line for golf. Tony Finau to win the Genesis runner up in two of the last five tournaments tied for 14 at waste management last week, trending up. Okay. Let's circle that one. Right. I don't know if my money's Tony. going on it yet. Cause Tony's got like, well, let's see how, Oh no, Tony's not the texter. Tony, Tony the te- is Tony the texter. Tony is Tony the, the player. <laughs> Tony is the golfer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Who who sent the text is what I'm asking. They didn't sign their name. Okay. Well, they don't, we, want, we, they don't want to be a part of our become, show. In order to become a specialist, we need names and we need results. We need to see what Tony Finau does this weekend. Okay. Um, why don't we run through the anchor and our picks, and then we can talk about Geo and 32 Thoughts to close out. Let's do it. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll make it uh, pretty simple. I like the Boston Bruins tonight in Nashville. The Boston Bruins lead the NHL by, I think, either six or eight. They got 34 regulation wins. So I like them in regulation. They are the league leader in regulation wins. And they are 90 goals better than the Nashville Predators if you look at the goal differential on the season. So this is a team that does regulation wins better than anyone. And they do hockey 90 goals better than the Nashville Predators this year at nearly plus money. It's minus 105 Mm -hmm. in regulation. I'll take the Bruins over the Predators in Nashville. Okay. Only three NBA games tonight, of course, because the... All-Star Weekend's just around the corner, so I'm going to go NHL as well. So if you're doing Bruins in regulation, I like the Hurricanes on the puck line against the Canadians. Hurricanes at home, Canadians just floundering. Ooh, minus 165. I'm seeing it minus 152, which I'm comfortable playing. That's definitely better. Um, So I'm going to put that in there for us. And then let's go through our... Wait, was yours in regulation? Bruins regulation. Bruins regulation. The Canadians have... uh, I mean, they're an overteam recently, but times they've been outscored, eh, three of their last six games, they've been outscored by uh, two or more, but they've suffered losses to the Oilers and Senators in the last little bit here, week, 6-2 to the Oilers, 5 nothing to the Senators. Yes. They're a team that can get blown out by superior teams, even lesser, not necessarily lesser teams, but average teams like the Ottawa Senators. Carolina is a pretty well-oiled machine. I like your pick. Habs have won three in a row, so it's time that they... Fall off. Morning, guys. Here's a quick one. Eric- oh, sorry. Yeah, I read that wrong. They're, they beat the Oilers by that amount. I apologize. Okay. You're you're looking to buck trends then. I am. All right. Morning, guys. Here's a quick one. Eric Carlson over assists. How can you not? He's had at least one in five out of the last seven games. Should be a lock against Vegas. That's Cody and St. Catharines. The presumptive Norris winner. Eric from Burlington. Two parlays for the week. Let's go. Thank you, Eric from Burlington. Mm-hmm. Just wait until I drop some beauties <sighs> for the baseball season. Here we season. go auditioning for specialist he misses it so much tonight he'll pick the under six and a half jets and blue jackets jets love to go under yes they do and uh columbus he doesn't see as the ones being able to open up i like that jets i don't think we've bet an under ever in the show yeah they're not that fun um hey alish it's nick from milton oh just me my wake and rake pick for today is a line a anytime point against the jets we all know how great line a is playing against his former team i love the show you guys make mornings fun god betting on patrick line a right now i mean i get the motivational element but uh what do we what do we complain about with patrick kane we see a lot of that in line a like is he just cashing mm-hmm. a check right now it kind of seems like he he's is. wearing cool fits and walking in the arena he is wearing cool fits uh this is neil our guy our tennis specialist he's got sissy pass minus two and a half games he uh, got the win with Hallis on the spread. He likes Sissipas over Yannick Sinner. Sissipas playing the top of his game right now, 16-1 and one in his last 17. Of course, lost to Djokovic in the Aussie Open final. Already been bet. <laughs> Tell you that for free. Um, all right, this is our uh, our squad. Happy Baby Friday for today's anchor. I'll take the Minnesota Timberwolves minus three and a half. Juliana will take the Suns minus one and a half. They just love the basketball bets in that household. Phoenix Suns minus one and a half over the Clippers. And for the alt parlay, Robert Lewandowski to score an anytime goal at one plus 105. Did Holland score yesterday? I don't know. I uh, 
Forgot I, forgot, I forgot to bet it as Sorry well. So I'll have to check in on that. I know Man City got a good result, though, over Arsenal in that big game. Uh, here's Chris from London. He likes Sahith Thagala at oh, the uh, the Genesis. Four top tens already this season. Taylor Montgomery as well. He's high up on the um, FedEx Cup standings. Ten cuts and 11 events this season for Taylor Montgomery. So a couple picks there for the Jenny. Chris says he's a plus two handicap. Okay. Oh, okay. Flex. I uh, omitted that. Good morning. Nice wake and rake hit last night. I like Seattle in regulation over the Flyers. That's Corey and Port Hope. Apparently, we forgot to say the Dylan Brooks under yesterday. I know. I apologize, Gary. To no surprise, it does hit again. He likes Vucevic, one of the uh, guys who tried out for Hall of Fame status as a double-double double, double tonight. We could put him back in. Uh, DeLon Wright, one steal, seven out of seven. Guys, a thief. Okay. That's a name we haven't had ever in the text line. That's kind of fun. DeLon Wright. Okay. Shout out former Raptor. Last one. Max Homa, top 10, plus 225. He won in 2021, one of the hottest players in the game. He definitely is. And it's Morikawa's Cal teammate. That's from Big Mac. Big Mac getting back in the text line. Max Homa has had a wonderful start to the season. Of course, he's got a victory. I think he's second in the FedEx Cup standings. I think he's hanging out around like 30 to 1 as well. So not a bad look if you're in on Max Homa. One of the guys we talked about is if you bet him all the time, you'll get one you profit. Right. <laughs> you profit. So Holland did score, by the way. I got that texted in. He scores every game. And uh, Don from the Hammer says Ovechkin scored tonight. His dad just passed away. I did think about maybe something of that sort, but I'm not sure if he's playing for sure. But if he is, maybe there's something a tribute to his late dad there. I could definitely see Ovi coming through there. Okay, so um, our current wake and rake is Hurricanes on the puck line and the Bruins in regulation. We have um, an under, a line A point, a CC Pass, Phoenix, uh, Timberwolves, Seattle, Vucevic, DeLon Wright, and I think that's kind of the rundown for today. We're red hot, Justin. I'll pass the ball to you to pick today. You're passing it to me? We've gone back and forth this week. It's been good. What are Neil's stats recently? Um, he never loses. Want to go CC Pass? Let's do it. Let's put CC Pass in there. Okay. 16 of his last 17, he's won. Uh, he's got Yannick Sinner today at ATP It starts Rotterdam. at 1.30, by the way, everybody. It starts at 1.30. It could blow it up early, or you could be setting the table nicely for yourself if CC Pass gets the job done. Let's trust Neil today. Okay, so CC Pass on the game spread, minus 2.5 over Sinner. Bruins in regulation over the Predators and the Hurricanes minus one and a half on the puck line against the Canadians. That's your little risky one, but uh, you got to risk it. To get the biscuit. Get the biscuit. There you go. Uh, do we have time for we Gio? We don't have time for Gio. Okay. We'll have to uh, punt Gio. Give me the Coles notes? To tomorrow. We'll just talk about it tomorrow. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Our 32 Thoughts podcast had a nice sit down with Gio. Um, it was released yesterday. We teed it up with... Our buddy Jeff Merrick, take a listen for that one. It's really nice. I mean, he's a he's a guy that's very well respected and is a legend in the NHL. And they got to sit down with him and got some good insight. But you know what? We're not going to tease it. Other than that, go listen. Saw yesterday he's closing in on the record for shot blocking. Yes, I forgot to bring that up today. I'm glad you reminded that's me. It's a longevity thing. I have the tweet. Um, apparently Gio is eight block shots away from setting the all-time NHL career record. I'm assuming he didn't get eight block shots last night because I don't know if there were eight courses total were for there Chicago eight shots? last night. <laughs> yes, there was, but I, but, uh, yeah, you get my point. It wasn't exactly a night where shot blocks were necessary. All right. So no Toronto sports tonight. We're trying to go three in a row on the wake and rake. That was your 
beautiful baby Friday. We'll be back tomorrow morning without Charles Davis. It's the first of a long summer without Charles Davis at 7 a.m. I'm going to try my best to be prepared tomorrow morning. Big spot for whoever's going to slide yeah, into that 7 a.m. is role. our 7 a.m. guest tomorrow, you better bring it, okay? Because it's a big void that we're filling. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Have a great day, everybody. Happy Baby Friday.